Hi, this is Jack's Corner, where I discuss issues on society and culture here in America. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my corner. This is Jack's Corner. I'm here with Veronica, the Duchess, and uh, just going to give you guys an update. Remember, we adopted two little kittens, and uh, one is Max and one was Akira. Well, it turns out... (laughs) Akira is a Kiro, so <laughs> we were we were quite surprised when we went to the vet and we found out that they were both boys, not a boy <laughs> and a girl. So Akira became a Kiro, which is very cute, and they're they're just both of them are just so precious. They do everything together. They play together. They sleep together. They're almost inseparable, but they do have their times where they, you know take a time out and sleep in their own comfortable spot not necessarily together but uh they're just so adorable so adorable they are they're really really precious and akuro has a different personality than max maximilian um max is more uh wild and more cat-like whereas akuro is more the intellectual and he's very very smart and they're both very affectionate. They like to sleep on our shoulders. All right, so I'm going to read an excerpt. Are you ready, Jax? Yeah, go ahead. We're going to continue on with uh, Sister Me, and Veronica's got some more to share. 8 1988 Wrote to my mom. I always try to be brave when I write my family. That's important. Cushion the blows for them. The less they know, the better. Wouldn't want them aching any more for me than they do. Blaming themselves, searching the past for where they failed me. Hell, they were kids just like me. No one has all the answers. We stumble through life, picking up lessons here and there, if we're lucky. What working-class family or single parent has the luxury of reflection when they're saddled into making do, just barely keeping their head above the waters of poverty. Almost all parents want a good life for their kids. Mine did, still do. I don't blame them. It was just one of those things. All the circumstances added up and I did what I did, so it's my debt and I pay. No one should carry the burden but me. It should be that simple, but it's not. My loved ones are also carrying the burden. My son has to do without any parents or family anymore. I hope the foster care people love him. He's a good kid. Just traveled down a hard road after my incarceration, and that's my responsibility, too. Hope one day I can find a way to heal those wounds. Somehow make up for all these years. Make something of myself to ease the burden of shame he must feel having a mother who really messed up. Good news. Last week, as my smokes were running out, I reluctantly split my last few with a pretty black woman, Pam. She said she'd do me right. You get so you can tell about people by how they talk, where they've been. I knew she'd pulled some joint time, whole time. I didn't really care whether she paid me back or not. I gave her what I could spare just because when you live through it and you recognize a 
quote, sister me. It's code to do for them what you can do, whatever that is. That doesn't mean screw yourself over. It means you just give a bit more than you normally would. A bit more compassion, whether they're a prisoner of a f- or a free world person. Once you recognize the blues as pinks, and you know the other person has to, yeah, you do for them. I wrote a poem, used to write hundreds years ago. It said something about, quote, when you know B.B. King be singing in the pink, then baby, you know you've really sung the blues. 8.24.88 It's hard to keep the days, date, and time up. No clock or calendar. And sleeping a few hours here and there. Being awakened constantly drives normal sleep routines to hell. Anyway, Pam did give me some top tobacco rollies, and Thelma too. That and crackers and soup, baby oil, socks, lipstick, paper, all illegal. It never ceases to amaze me how those with the very least tend to give me more than those with everything. Not all destitutes are generous, but Sister Me's are. Much respect. I picked up that phrase from Mick, a woman I grew to love ferociously. Six years of shared intense growth can't be undermined by separation, it seems. She's been out of prison for two years. I received two personal letters today, one from a longtime friend, the other from the ex-husband of one of my former cellmates. The United Farm Workers Union sent me a notice that Cesar Chavez has begun another water-only fast for the UFWU. I support their work and life goes on. It felt good to make contact with some of my own network. I hadn't realized how much I had come to depend on that part of my identity. When I first was arrested eight years ago, I kept contact with no one but my immediate family. Before my trial, six months later, even they had fallen away, all but my mother. I understood that the majority of my associates were in no position to be associated with me in any way. For such important people, scandal is to be avoided at all costs. Recognizing that I could only maintain future ties by keeping a complete distance and silence in the short run, I didn't seek their support. By the time I arrived at WCCW, I was devoid of all past except my crime. Those with whom I had spent so much of my life and time after the Mexican marijuana smuggling episode, they were now banished from my consideration. I no longer had an identity by way of community relations. It was like going to sleep and waking to discover you were completely alone in a new world with new customs and rules. No more Los Angeles congratulations and thank you certificates for volunteer works. It was to be the beginning of starting over, learning the basics. There was even a new language, verbal and physical, to be mastered. Resocialization to a foreign environment, not just that of prison, but more directly the world of prisoners, 
All my previous attitudes and devices for survival were now deadly, dangerous. In prison, classism is lethal. There are nuances in prison language that may take years to learn, but it takes huevitos to earn the ability to possess the stuff behind it all. If you're lucky, you'll learn them quickly because you openly and honestly seek your rightful position in the community, and that engenders respect. Those nuances are more emotive than free world properly spoken English. Prison talk is more robust. Accent, tone, octave, pause, etc. Affect the hearer more powerfully than the actual word or expression itself. Coupled with body posture, stylized gesture, and speed of motion, it is at best poetry in action. I've been enthralled with the honesty of this language. It captures the true spirit of life itself, totally expending every human means to making a precise communication. The impact is so strong that the whole message can be grasped within seconds. Nothing left in doubt to be chewed over later. A master of it can lead a whole room full of strangers to an exact point. Remarkable. So what? So, prison is a place of talk, not silence. And the talk is richer and means more than if it were done in the class-bound way we learn in the free world. The postures and tacitly accepted deceptions that are part of free world speech can't get you anywhere behind bars. Bottom line is, it's not a community that exalts corruption. Rather, survival and heart, fairness and strength. Respect never given, but earned. Okay, so that was the segment for today of Sister Me. Thank you for sharing. Prison is its own world in, it is. in and of itself. It really is. People act different. They speak different. Yeah. It seems like it's just a whole different atmosphere compared to being out with a range of people around a different group of people the, Here, communi- you, the communication is different yeah, like you I'll said the you, body language too okay so i'll give you an example before i went to prison i always had an erect back when i would sit in a chair i was taught that i use my calf and i slowly feel with my calf where the seat is and with my knees shut i slowly sit down and always with my knees shut I cross my ankles and then with an erect back back and neck the head is upright with the chin a little bit up a nose a little bit in the air my hands crossed and at my side um, that is what I was taught in free society there's also a drawl that I learned 
and the draw is kind of like this so when you're like in the Beverly Hills Affluent Society, we kind of talk like this. And I remember when I first went to prison, it was I was being mocked because I said, fuck you. And one of the street women said, fuck you. What the hell is that? <laughs> and um, then I realized that all these affects, I didn't even realize that I was affecting. Um, I had. And uh, so what I eventually learned to do is sit with my knees open and be comfortable and sit like a man, basically, um, lean forward, my elbows on my knees, my face right in their face, uh, using hand gestures and, um, you know, body posturing in a totally different way. It wasn't about being subtle. It wasn't about being uh, feminine. It was about being upright and forthcoming and you had to be that way if you wanted any respect because I sure wasn't going to be punked off. When I first got there I was. I didn't know what punked off was and there was a sister there that was um, a rapist and I'm in the when I first get to the prison right I'm in maximum security and she comes in and she has this falsetto voice and here's this woman looks like a freaking gorilla she's huge right big broad shoulders muscular and she's talking like this hi my name is Siobhan here are some things I thought you might want and it was like totally incongruent with the size you know she's like almost six feet tall 230 pounds maybe really muscular like a man's body you know heavy up top uh, muscularity and um, and it was weird and she brought me this shoe you know a cardboard shoe box with baby powder in it and um, lotion and some candy bars and top ramen and you know she ingratiates herself with me right and says here you go sweetheart I'm Yvonne and makes me think like, oh, you know, prison's not going to be that hard. I just came from death row at Sybil Brand. You know, it'll be all right. <laughs> and why is it that a half an hour later I start showering and she comes in, the sh she pulls the shower curtain open. And I knew there were intercoms. You can see them where they can hear everything. I get my hair pulled and I'm literally yanked naked out of the shower and she sexually assaults me with an object and uh, I'm screaming and she's pummeling me and putting her hand over my mouth and I knew the cops could hear. They did nothing. So that was my introduction to being uh, punked. So, <laughs> yikes! yeah, it can be very, very intense. So, but eventually, like within a period of, I'd say, 14 years, she had come back to prison. She had already been released and came back, right? She had raped other women and uh, punked them off. And um, to punk a woman off, first you pretend to be nice then you rape them, sexually abuse them, and you call all your cronies to come watch as you abuse them. And um, then you find out, like, oh, you got mail, bitch. 
you know, what did you get? And they basically make you pay for commissary now. So all the free gifts you thought, nothing is free. So um, they want to take every penny that you get and um, they'll beat you down. And then they do sex shows. Like I say, they rape you in front of the other women and the other women well, watch. crime and, within uh, prison. Yeah. But anyway, so th this was like a period of 14 years later. Now I'm already, I've already been there, done that, been through it. I never did that to anyone, but um, been through it. Now I knew how to stand my ground. Um, within that first six months, um, she kept trying to abuse me more and uh, exploit me. And it was when we had metal chairs in our in our cells, and we would have time where they would buzz open the doors, so the cell doors would be open. And she came tried to come into my room to exploit me again and rape me. And I picked up the chair that had metal legs on it, and I was trembling with fear, but um, I stood up to her because I was ready to. Good for you. Yeah. But anyway, so now 14 years pass, right? Meanwhile, she I've already stood up to her. That that chapter in my life was done and over. And now um, 14 years go by. She's been released after about seven, eight years. And she comes back. And I had heard, you know, rumors. Um, because women that get released, they come back and they say, oh, Yvonne, let me tell you about that rapist. You know, blah, 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 blah. So she comes wandering back in the prison. This woman was so beat down. Um, oh, it was sad. It was sad. And uh, I had forgiven her. And uh, it was just really sad to see. Because I knew. I remember when we lived in Adseg, Yvonne and I. And she was my neighbor. And she would beat on my wall to wake me up all throughout. Like when they turned off the lights, which wasn't all the time she would beat on my wall with her uh, feet, you know, boom, 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 and it reverberates. And uh, she gave me no mercy and no rest. Her profanities were horrendous. I won't repeat the profanities, but um, I would listen to her rants and raves when she didn't know I was listening. And she had, like, mental breakdowns where she would start talking about all of the sexual abuse she had gone through and reliving them like, you know, serious PTSD. And uh, then it kind of reframes the whole picture. And um, so by the time 14 years, you know, had gone by and she'd gotten out, come back, um, I embraced her and I said, it's okay. It's okay, Mama. It's okay. So life took a toll on her while she was out. Yeah, and I knew it would because you can't be treating other human beings that way in the free world without horrible ramifications. Consequences, oh, that's right. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. There was this one woman um, that was like that. Um, she was a snitch, and whatever you did, she had to run to the cops, and um, she had gotten her hands cut off in a motel after she'd been released for about a week. It was in the newspaper stuff wow. like that you know um the comeuppance you know you cannot have that kind of aberrant behavior in the community for too long because it'll catch up to you it does catch up to you 
You if, can't be a nasty person all throughout because no. eventually your karma is going to come back to you. But it's not just the karma. It's she was abused, I'm sure. You know, that's what when she would go through her ranting and raving in her own cell. Um, we're both in lockdown. She went through horrendous stuff and her voice, she would be different people and she had different voices. And it was totally pornography what she would espouse it was horrendous like um i would walk by the cell and they have these in the cell doors if you go on our website you'll see that uh there's a little window that's in the doors this is before they put door flaps on and she would pound on the metal door when she knew it was my hour out my time to take a shower we're both in lockdown ad seg administrative segregation and she would literally stand on her toilet and her faucet and flash herself. Oh, it was just horrific. And then when um, we both got out to Maxim Security Wing out of Atsag, I remember her flashing. She would pretend like she would slip in the hall when the nurse would come and lift up her uh, shift, no panties on, and spread eagle the staff it was and laughed. It was really, really demented. Really, Jeez. really demented. Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't mentally all there. I think. No, she never was. For anyone was. to do that kind of stuff. Not at all. To behave that way. You know, her abuse must have started from a baby. I mean. Probably. Yeah, that kind of behavior is so aberrant. Wow. Sounds like there's a lot of damaged people in prison. That's all prison is. Is full of victims. And they just get re-victimized by the prison system. And my my idea for an alternative, and I, I'm not going to talk about men because I have no idea about how men prisoners, male prisoners are. I can only talk about the women. If we had living communities where the women could um, have supervised visits with their children that lived in the community, have a living community with fences around it, have the guards there, make the women have jobs like um, laundry, cooking, you know, just general maintenance of the community. Um, and, you know, they would earn the right to have contact visits with their children and spend time with them. Um, that it's a lot more healthy, I think, than the way our prison system is now, where it's almost, it's really difficult to have access to your children. Um, really, really, really hard. At least it was in Washington State during the time I was there, and I was there for 23 years, from 1980. Uh, so... Anyway, uh, the prison system for women, I think, really needs to be altered. I don't believe in prisons. I believe that uh, we need living community centers where we teach life skills. How often did you get to see Juliet? Well, um, every visit, Jake would bring her up, and that would be three times a week because he had to drive 400 miles, um, so it would be... 200 miles each way and the visits would last for two hours um, then on holidays and church services you know actually it was holidays were church services if your family um, 
had signed up for that, then they could come during the church services. And then uh, that was more time. And then we had a parent-child lab that Jan Walker, who was a really innovative uh, parenting advocate for women, and she's written books about it, would have the children come in and we could have one-on-one -on -one time with them with supervision, of course. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty remarkable. And then I had trailer visits, but you have to have uh, no infractions, which are very, very hard. You have one cop that's on you just because you don't even break rules, but they will create Find a an way. infraction. Yeah. yeah. So no infractions. Then you can have trailer visits. That's where your husband can come in or your family. They bring food and you, you can, can actually cook, cook. Yeah. Yeah. And then they spend the night for one night and if you're lucky two nights and it it's um it was a very hard hard uh process but you know you do your best and mothers should never be separated from their children unless they're abusing their children and then they need help um intervention no child should be abused None, none, ever. I wonder if there will ever be some kind of reform where the children are more accessible to responsible parents that are in prison. I think so. Um, there's always people that are pushing for that and prison reform or the end of prisons. So uh, that's certainly in the future, I would hope. You know, there was a time where we didn't have the Emancipation Proclamation. And although we had a real big backlash from um, Thomas Rice, who started that whole movement of the minstrel show theme and the black face, um, the Jim Crow, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of took us back a hundred years after him. He did that, as far as I know, I believe it was 1865. But the backlash continued and for like a hundred years, and that's why in the 60s we had to do the protest marches, which I'm glad to say I was a part of, yeah. thanks to my brother Rick. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, those wow. were the old days. And so um, it's very important. Like right now we have the Black Lives Matter movement, mm -hmm. which I'm all for because people forget. And I know it was interesting the other day we were talking about because um, we got to watching on Amazon Prime the series The Underground Railroad. Yes. And we got to talking about how Black people have never gotten their reparations like the Native Americans. And after watching this movie, I felt like they should have reparations. They've been victimized for so long. And it was generational. Yeah. You and know, looking look at, at this movie, of, it just look looks at generational. Look at all the whites that have made millions on the backs of blacks that were in their plantations, that they were basically a stolen race three million of them stolen and sold as slaves and those people worked and they were their families were taken apart and some of them were tortured some of them were all, killed they were all tortured i believe they were all tortured there's no way it come on 
if you're it was just horrible. Take, you suddenly couldn't, taken from your it life. It was almost hard to have a baby and raise a baby because they would sell off your children as mm-hmm. soon as they could walk. You wouldn't know where they were, and yeah, they would split up the families. That's right. That's Terrible. Right. What a what a hor- horrible part of our history. And you know what's so interesting is that you look at a lot of these mega wealthy families today, whites, that um, are now billionaires. That if you look at their history, they were plantation owners. And they had oh, slaves. So that's my interesting. problem. That's my problem. Wow. Is that all okay. of those billions of dollars, which now eventually are came billions, from came plantation, from plantation, plantation owners. Yeah, absolutely. Which were slave owners. That's right. Unfortunately. That's right. That's right. Man. And all those people that were raped. And believe me, it wasn't just the women. It was the children. It was the men. Yeah, they would burn them alive. It was terrible. Yeah, they did it all. Oh, my God. So horrific. All the things they they put these people through. Even today in the South, you know, there's still horrors going on in the South. I was just watching. I'm a member of NAACP. And they always hip you to what's going on. And I have part of my channel system is I watch uh, black networks and I see what's going on. And in the South, there's a lot of racism still. still exists. Yes, yes. And there were lynchings just recently out here in Los Angeles. Well, outside of our county, there were um, eight lynchings, six or eight lynchings within the last. This was like two years ago. And this was so bizarre. It's 2021. I know. So we're talking two years ago is when this was made public. So they there was a lynching of a black man um, in one county out not far from us. Then in another county, another black man was hanging from a tree. And then in another county, another black man was hanging from a tree. Those were three lynchings. And they didn't group them together in the white channels they didn't even talk about it but the fact of it is is come on it doesn't take a a smart person to say three black males hanging from three trees within a period of months duh lynchings you think come on yeah we need to wake up you know um a lot of our listeners are Hispanics and you know we have been through it we already know we already know about this stuff because our people have suffered and we know that so the blacks they've gone through it I mean worse than us because their skin is darker and anyone that thinks that skin color is a measure of a human being they need a lobotomy <laughs> or they need to be put out of their misery and go mm. to heaven and get it over with. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, people like that to me are intolerable. The ignorance. I mean, how can people be that ignorant today? Mm-hmm. Right now um, in the news, there's been a backlash because of the uh, COVID. And there's been a backlash for Asians where there's been similar to lynchings of the Asians where they've been beaten up. And it's been really bad and murdered um, because they because of Trump saying that the China flu, the China disease, 
it's not China's disease. It's a humankind illness. It has nothing to do with the Chinese. We need to put that myth to rest. COVID has been around for hundreds of years, but it goes through mutations just like our flu viruses do. It is a form of flu, and it happens all over the world in all species. So stop blaming a race for what happens in nature. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable how ridiculous and, you know, that you can assign uh, blame to one race for something that happens in nature. Well, it's a virus that went global. Yes. It went everywhere in the world. Yes, and it will, things will do that. You know, I remember when there was polio. Like, I literally remember a girl, a friend of mine, that had to come to school, and I went to her home, and she had metal braces on her legs because mm-hmm. she yeah had, that was polio. She had polio, and um, my concern is that there are some religious beliefs today, even uh, one of which I don't know how many people ascribe to Jehovah Witnesses and the idea that you can't have vaccines, but that is part of their. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, part of their belief system is that you're not supposed to have anything put into your blood. And they don't believe in blood transfusions. Now, that's going to their scriptures. Yeah, I heard about the blood transfusions. And so, you know, correct us if I'm wrong today, because I'm sure there's Jehovah Witnesses out there that are going to say, no, we don't do that anymore, and I don't know what you're talking about, but if you go into John Smith's Gospels, what I've read them, and I would recommend all Jehovah Witnesses familiarize themselves with the Book of Mormon, and then try our New Testament, because... The Book of Mormon, that's a whole nother doctrine. It is. John Smith, yeah. And and uh, scripture tells us to stay away from other doctrines that are not the doctrine of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Right. So I learned the hard way because I got involved with the Mormons for a while there. And uh, that was a big wake-up call for me. Well, I don't want to get into it, but that was a big wake-up call for me. Well, I, I found Mormons inside the prison as very generous people they're good people i mean they're generous they're good they're they very were helpful very supportive um, Supp- of the women yeah, in prison. Supportive. but here was what my problem was is that there were women in prison and they were coming into the prison proselytizing these women that were not mormons prior to and the men were already married and they were marrying more than one wife and these women are now getting money on canteen so that they can buy, you know, shampoo and candy in commissary, right? Mm-hmm. And these men would say, you know, it's okay under our scripture for me to have more than one wife. And the women accepted it. And that was my problem. I didn't like that. Yeah. And that they brought out a man that would literally um, find these women that were desperate, I guess, in my book, and recruit them. Because we, I was chapel librarian for four and a half years, 
And one of the things that I did, I had access to all of these books of different religions, and I had to interface with all the different religions. All of them that came into the prison, which were everyone you could imagine, from Mormons, Quakers, Baptists, Protestants, Catholics. Um, That's polygamy, right? Wiccans, yeah, polygamy. But be, under Religious Freedom Act, mm -hmm. they were allowed to come into the prison, mm -hmm. and then they would recruit, they would have um, posters up saying, you know, come in. And the women, a lot of them were black women. Um, they would actually get money on their books and the man would say, I'll adopt your children and take care of all of you. And, you know, to me, it was like, that is not kosher. I mean, I don't mean to say that everything's under a Jewish law. I'm not at all. I'm only a smidgen Jewish, so that's not it. But um, it just is, it's like the Germans say verboten because I am part German, it's like forbidden, you know what I mean? Um, you don't take people that are down and under like that and exploit and have more than one wife and all of that. Anyway, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it the way they recruited. But I couldn't say anything because I'm a chapel librarian. All I could do is just say, well... This is their right yeah. under the Religious Freedom Act. So it doesn't seem right, though. Well, to me, not it to doesn't. Us. Not to it our culture. Seem right. But I would understand their point of view because some of these women had pimps and they were very abusive men. And here was a man that would not beat them mm -hmm. and would take care of their children and them when they got out of prison. And they would take care of their other families because under their laws, they have to provide for the, each of the wives. So if they marry a woman that has other children, it is essential that they provide for all of them. So the Mormons, um, although they have different views than I believe in, um, from what I saw, from what I saw, um, and I only know from the prison experience, I do not know what happened in the reality of the real world. Um, these people were authentic and kind um, so I have no condemnation of them because I don't know them personally I wonder what happened to them I have no idea because yeah. I didn't follow through on that after I got out I had a life with my husband who was a, a professor at a major university and well respected I lived a very square existence, you know, and I always have, um, except for a brief period of my, t my life. And uh, so I'm very conservative, basically. Okay. But, Good. I mean, I'm liberal in the sense that I believe in uh, religious freedom, and I believe that to everyone... To some extent. Yeah, and, well, no. Well, yeah. To some extent. I don't believe that you should behead a person because they've been unfaithful. I don't believe in that you should a stone woman a woman or, to death. Uh, no, or none for... of that stuff. No, no, yeah. no, no. So yeah, right. that's archaic. Yeah. That's old, very, very, <laughs> that's very archaic. Well, it's, it should be arcane, but unfortunately, um, it still goes on today. Yeah. And Saudi Arabia, Iraq and Iran, um, 
I know where some women are just now being able to drive. That, that, wow. But they still can't go out in public unless they have a male escort. That's not cool with me. You know, that's just, but They're behind in the, in the times. But here's, but just a minute. Now, if they were to go out unescorted by a male, they would get gang raped. That's what I understand. And uh, that, well, I better understand. Better have an escort than Better not. have a male escort than not then, yeah. if that's the circumstance. But, you know, um, there's a long, a long list of countries that are not like America. And America is not all the same. You know, different states um, Yeah, there's like subcultures within cultures. Yes, there are. All throughout the country. Yeah. Yeah, I was just watching... um, I can imagine there's people in the Bronx that probably have generations from Puerto Rico or who knows, Cuba, and they have their own culture. Oh, absolutely. And then there's other cultures, you know, maybe cultures mix, and then there's a subculture. Well, I was watching a show on uh, Prime or Netflix, and it's about um, what we call, quote, hillbillies. And it's in the Appalachian Mountains, and this is in Kentucky. And there's a stretch, and it's called, um, oh, Mud, Mudwink, something like that. And it's uh, like a mile wide, a mile long, and the population is very small, just a few thousand. And they still are, they live on welfare primarily because they can't support the family. But the husbands work outside collecting moss and uh, blood root, it's called. And I don't know what blood root is used for. Neither do they, because all they do is dig the soil for it and sell it. But they don't make enough to support the family, Mm -hmm. so they need assistance, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, But yeah, that's going on in America today, in Kentucky. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's in Mudwink. Mudwink, I think it's called. Yeah. Wow. It's it's incredible, but um, we've not got every. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. Not everywhere is New York or Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, civilized, not so civilized. <laughs> well, yeah. to us, to Los Angeles, we think we're civilized, but to other cultures in America, they may think that. Well, and they do. They think we in Los Angeles are have no morality and da 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 which of course is ridiculous yeah you know they consider us californians whether you're liberal or not a liberal too liberal for their standards anyway so right okay well is there anything else you want to talk about today anything Uh, pressing how long have we been talking oh for a while Okay, well, if it's time to cut it off, babe, yeah, well. it's time to cut it off. All right, so uh, I guess we're going to close this off. Thank you for listening. We'll uh, keep you all posted with training these kitties. We're training one. We're trying to train them to both <laughs> potty train to the litter. I think We've they're two catching litter on. Boxes, one of them too. is definitely caught on, but one of them is a little shaky, so we'll yeah, see. Yeah, he's a little slow. Yeah, Max. But Lucky, Lucky is taking quite well to them. Oh, she's the best. Now Artemis, our female cat, however, she won't come back in the house. 
she's outside we have to put her food and water outside and we're trying to get her to come back in she almost came came in yesterday through the cat door on the door and today right? i saw her at or the today, window today today i saw her at the window and i tried to coax her back in uh, but she utterly refused i can't even pet her you know or brush her which she loves yeah so and she's missing out on her normal yeah. grooming yeah which is like a daily thing that i do but nope but i have faith she'll come back i do too. she'll eventually come back in the and house and uh you know get used to the kitties we'll yeah. see and the kitties are so precious yeah. well as always don't forget to watch our videos on museum diaries at museum americana on youtube and don't forget we have a patron patreon uh page that's patreon forward slash patreon.com forward slash museum americana thank you peace out all right we'll talk to you later see you in our next uh podcast today's may 17th see you later <laughs>